0: Hi everyone, welcome to episode 3 of the Midnight Moon Astrology Podcast. I'm Cassidy Juniper and today is Friday, August 23rd, 2019. This episode's topic is the Astrology Forecast of September 2019. You can either listen to the audio version or watch the YouTube video, but I will say that this one comes with charts, so if you do the video version you'll actually be able to visually see the transits I'm talking about. Just a note on future topics for the podcast, my ultimate goal is to produce content that can be re-listened to, since I don't have a lot of time with a regular job during weekdays and have lots of astrology jobs scattered throughout the week, so I'd really like the content to be re-listenable to the extent that I I can manage that, but a lot of the upcoming topics that I'd like to delve into require a lot of research, and I really wanted to get another episode out since it's been a while, and everybody likes forecasts, so... You'll also be seeing more Hogwarts astrology and other original topics or theories in the coming months, and there are some guests I'd like to have on, but haven't quite figured out topics for those yet, so be looking out for that. Also, since I checked in with you guys last, um, a lot has happened in my life. I have a few updates. I started teaching local astrology classes, and prepping those took up a lot of July and part of August. I also began working for an astrology company, doing consultations each week. And I went to another astrology conference in the middle of summer, Great Lakes Astrology Conference, or GLAC. And it had a different vibe than Norwalk, but equally good in different ways, I would say. It's a lot smaller. Um, I wanna say it was around 60 people, plus maybe those who were dropping in for a day, something like that. But it honestly made it so much better for an introvert trying to make friends, because, I mean, everyone ate together and talked together you know, a lot of the time. Uh, regardless of how well known or little known you are in the Astro community, everybody was kind of together and, and socialized together. People like Sam Reynolds, Ann Ortley, Adam Ellenboss, uh, you know, big names in the Astro community that everybody knows. Probably at a place like Norwalk, I would have said hi and talked to them for five minutes. But at GLAC, I feel like we actually got to know each other better on more of a friendship level. And so the whole thing was very inclusive. But my favorite part was probably forging newer, stronger friendships with a bunch of people in my peer group there. Um, As many of you have seen on social media, we made and played an astrology version of Cards Against Humanity, which we dubbed Astrologers Against Astrologists. So that's one way to make friends. We had all these inside astro jokes that you just don't get in everyday society. So because we weren't trying to meet so many people at once or decide between eight different tracks of lectures or whatever, there was some more time to actually sit down and have in-depth conversations. And as an introvert, I I sort of needed to get to that point in order to really form close friendships. And that's extended beyond the conference in some cases. So for me, I got different things out of Norwalk and GLAC, and and both were really valuable. My new astro job came out of connections I made at Norwalk, so it's all been a full-circle experience. So I would say those are all the updates. Let's jump into September 2019 forecast. As a little overview, there are nine trines, nine squares, four oppositions, four conjunctions, and two sextiles, not including moon aspects, of course, in the month of September. So that just gives you a little idea of what the feel would be. The trines and squares are the most prevalent and trines are the nature of Jupiter, Squares the nature of Mars, so it gives you a little bit of an idea of, of what we might be feeling. I'd also say that August and September skies are much more manageable and pleasant than June and July, when we were dealing with those planets opposing Saturn and Pluto, Mercury retrograde, the eclipses. Even though there are still some challenging things, they won't affect everyone, and they're not to the level of earlier months, so that's always nice to see. I also just want to note that because this is a general forecast some of these transits won't really affect you unless these planets or sections of your chart are turned on through Time Lords. These transits also may or may not connect with your natal chart individually so that's important to keep in mind. So starting out on September 1st we see an exalted Mercury at 6 Virgo. Here we go. Shrine Uranus at 6 Taurus. So this is a flowing easy aspect anchored in two Earth signs. And while Mercury-Uranus contacts can often bring that electric excitable mental energy, the Earth signs they're located in will temper this a little bit. This is Mercury and Uranus coming together in a productive, innovative way. They may have a focus on novelty, invention or technology. Depending on where these planets land in your chart, you could hear some surprising news. You might come up with a new idea or have an invigorating conversation that has you kind of like considering new perspectives, thinking about things in a different way. You could have a flash of insight around something you're learning or a flash of insight on a psychological level. Also on September 1st, Venus in her fall at 14 Virgo trines saturn in his own domicile at 14 capricorn and so this adds to the stabilizing influences both venus and virgo and saturn and cap are very practical grounded dependable this aspect can be about self-sufficiency as well as commitment and perhaps finding the balance between both venus trine saturn can often be good for relationships as difficult conversations can be had with ease And it indicates the partners will put the work into a relationship around this time, whether that means maintaining the bond or restructuring. Although Venus is in her fall in Virgo, she's ruled by an exalted Mercury and assisted by this trine with Saturn. So all in all, this is a good day to kick off September. So next on September 2nd and 3rd, we have a series of conjunctions. All these planets over here in Virgo. The Sun conjuncts Mars on September 2nd, and on the 3rd, Mercury conjuncts first Mars and then the Sun. All of this happens in the sign of Virgo, so when a planet finds itself in the heart of the Sun, which is one degree to either side of the Sun, it's typically in a position of purification and renewal. Mercury actually does this several times. It first occurred during the inferior conjunction when Mercury was retrograde, and this time Mercury is making a superior conjunction to the Sun, which means it's furthest from the Earth. Mars in particular is at the start of its synodic cycle, so you can think of this as a rebirth of Martian significations in your life if you take a look at where Mars is in your chart and what houses or areas of life Mars rules. For any of you who had to reset your computer during Mercury retrograde like I did, this Sun-Mars conjunction is like that, a hard reset. Dimitri George describes the beginning of the synodic cycle as the chamber where ancient mystery initiations take place. It's hidden and obscured, but when the planet emerges, it's clear that something magical and transformative happened inside. Once the Sun moves past this conjunction with Mars, however, Mars will remain under the beams for a while, meaning that Martian significations will take a back seat at least through the first half of September. It's kind of difficult for a planet to pursue its agenda when it's invisible and symbolically scorched by the sun. Mercury, however, doesn't have this issue as it's in its chariot, which means it's protected from the beams of the sun by being in its own domicile and exaltation, Virgo. If you picture actually being in a chariot when everyone's out in the sun, you know, you're going to have a little shade, you're going to have a little bit of protection. Mercury is at home in Virgo, so it will still be able to do mercurial-type things. However, to an extent, they may be done behind the scenes. Both Mercury and Mars are direct and moving quickly, so it's likely that much behind-the-scenes work will be done in general during this period, which may see the light of day when these planets emerge from under the Sun's beams. Interestingly, this matches the decan that these conjunctions with the Sun take place in. So the Deccans split each zodiac sign into three sections of 10 degrees each. And every Deccan has its own symbolic meaning and is associated with a different tarot card, which is kind of cool. This particular Deccan has to do with refinement, like the kind that takes place in a seed, chrysalis, or cocoon, much like the inner chamber of the sun, actually. Austin Kopic's description of this Deccan sounds like the burning purification and renewal that happens during a Cassini. He says... The beauty of the finished product of the process conceals the pain and toil utterly necessary for its creation. It can't be pleasant moving through the heated rays of the sun, but it burns away toxins and bad habits. This Deccan is also associated with Hephaestus, an ancient Greek smith god, who created sought-after artifacts. And of course, the smith relates back to the state of Kazemi as well, forging something in the fire. So next we see a bunch of planets oppose Neptune, one after another. All these planets over here are opposing Neptune and Pisces. Venus and Virgo opposes Neptune and Pisces on September 4th at 17 degrees. Mercury opposes Neptune on September 7th, while the Sun does it on September 10th. And then Mars opposes Neptune on the 14th. So this is really going to light up the Virgo-Pisces axis, so you may want to take a look at where that falls in your chart and what areas of life may see an upsurge. Neptune oppositions to these planets can produce a range of outcomes. You may feel foggy, confused, and uncertain in general. Misunderstandings are possible. It could be hard to think clearly or have good judgment or make the right decision. Neptune can make your imagination run wild, which could lead to unfounded fears and anxieties. You may feel a loss of vitality physically or mentally. Well, some may be more susceptible to addiction or indulgence around this time. And addiction can come in many forms. It, you know, we, we think of drinking or drugs, but it can also be overeating, compulsive shopping, playing video games nonstop, feeling addicted to a particular person, things like that. Deception and self-delusion are possible. Disillusionment or feeling the rose-colored glasses fall away, very Neptunian. You could either be filled with grandiose ideas that aren't sustainable, like Neptune opposite Venus, or feel your enthusiasm and energy dampened, like Neptune opposite Mars. So next, the Sun in Virgo will be trining Saturn on September 6th and Pluto on September 13th, both in Capricorn. So here's the Sun and the Capricorn axis over here. And the Sun squares Jupiter in Sag on September 8th. So generally, these are productive transits. Much Earth energy is highlighted this month, and that's going to probably bring in a sense of disciplined practical stability. We're used to seeing these difficult Saturn and Pluto transits, but these trines to the Virgo Sun speak of industriousness, stepping into one's power, or an opportunity to be invested with authority. The sun square Jupiter carries a lot of motivation and adrenaline, but can be prone to overdoing it, whether physically, mentally, or in terms of schedules and commitments it can also be a time when people are more likely to lean into their egos, feel overconfident, arrogant, or self-righteous about something. However, if used wisely, the sun square Jupiter can result in getting a great deal accomplished and pushing your boundaries outside of your comfort zone. And this, along with Mars, Jupiter context, I tend to associate with be brave without actually overstepping. So next Mars in Virgo follows the path of the sun. Here's Mars and it's also going to trine Saturn in Pluto in Capricorn on September 8th and September 19th respectively and it will be squaring Jupiter in Sag on September 12th. So Mars trine Saturn in Earth signs indicates that you could find yourself in the flow in terms of work tasks or special projects. Work that you normally slog through may feel invigorating or easily accomplished It's also good for any sort of physical activity you might be taking on, like a marathon, exercise goal, or if you're committed to a team for a period of time, because Mars and Saturn together can provide the needed discipline and focus. Meanwhile, Mars and Virgo square Jupiter and Sag, it's kind of an energizer bunny aspect. This is getting a second wind and staying up all night with friends, going too far even though you know you'll feel the equivalent of hungover in the morning or getting a second wind and pulling an all-nighter on a project only for it to take its toll. Sometimes this aspect can lead to accidents due to being overtired or drained. Mars has the upper hand in this square. It may involve highs or lows of some kind. You can overdo it physically as well through sport or exercise. Another way Mars square Jupiter can manifest is through speech, particularly controversial speech that encompasses religious, ethical, political views, Jupiter can be blunt and Mars and Virgo can be critical. So this combination can lead to a bit of foot and mouth. So next we've got the full moon in Pisces, which occurs on September 13th or September 14th, depending on where you're located. It occurs at the same time that Mars is opposing Neptune and Mercury is conjunct Venus at 29 Virgo. So the Moon is in a sign-based opposition with all the personal planets plus the Sun. Mercury and Mars opposing the Moon point to verbal contention or anger of some kind, Well, Venus is in her fall and in the bounds of restrictive Saturn, so she can't be of much help. You may see an echo of whatever the Neptune oppositions were about for you earlier in the month. Uncontrollable emotions or anxieties may surface around this time, but luckily the full Moon is a temporary state and those will subside. Moon in Pisces with a spurned Venus opposing could signify extra sensitivity, insecurity or self-esteem issues. One manifestation could be the Virgo side of things, feeling like someone in their life is fallen short of expectations, while the person representing the full moon in Pisces may feel vulnerable to and maybe even confused by the criticism. Or these may be two warring parts in your own head. Ultimately, you'll look to the Pisces area of life in your chart to see what may be reaching a peak, climax, culmination or turning point. The full moon's decan, the third decan of Pisces, is described by Austin Kopic as both an attainment of one's greatest desire as well as being willing to sacrifice everything. The question is, will the sacrifice be worth it or are you worshiping at the altar of a false dream? And is this because the dream in question truly betrayed or disappointed or merely because idealistic projections gave way to a real person with human flaws? This decan can represent either or both, and in rare cases, the reality can actually bring the happiness promised by the dream. In tarot, it's represented by the elusive ten of cups, the card that often depicts a happy couple or family with a rainbow above them. Nothing less than emotional fulfillment. The third decan of Pisces is the last in the zodiac before one cycle ends and another begins. In light of this, September's full moon has the essence of laying it all on the line. Next, we're going to see a group of planets enter Libra. Mercury and Venus ingress into Libra on September 14th, while the Sun enters Libra on September 23rd, which is the autumn equinox when the days and the nights are of equal length. Ironically, we enter the season of fall exactly as the Sun moves into its fall of Libra. The reason the sun has fallen in Libra is because it yearns to be in signs with more light than darkness, and as we descend past the autumn equinox, the days begin to grow darker. Libra suns may long for the height of romance, long-lasting bonds, emotional and creative connections found in the best of relationships. They may envision the harmony and camaraderie between the people in their lives, as well as countries around the world. And yet, the world they live in is headed in a different direction one of negativity and pessimism, as they slowly descend further into darkness and the scarcity of winter. The dark and cold half of the year in the northern hemisphere is a time when there are never enough resources to go around. Small animals tussle over food as they attempt to store up for winter, which inevitably introduces reluctant competition and conflict, two things that Libras shy away from. Someone always goes hungry. And due to their nature, Libras are used to it being them. Often it's up to Libra suns and those moving through Libra season to create the world they see in their mind's eye, or it will be invisible to the rest of humanity. A mass of planets moving through Libra will potentially make the topics of your Libra house come to the forefront, or you may feel busier in this area of life. So let's talk about Mercury in Libra and what that feels like for a little bit. Mercury in Libra can involve approaches of a more charming nature, making it easier to get along with people. This might mean telling white lies to save people's feelings, or simply being more diplomatic and capable of compromise. Mercury in Libra is the type to send handmade greeting cards or something else artistic and thoughtful. You could feel more sociable or have an urge to discuss your relationships or potential relationships. Mercury in Libra values communication within relationships as well, although at times this transit can make it hard to communicate directly and honestly because it's not fond of confrontation. You'll be able to weigh pros and cons objectively during Mercury in Libra, but actually making the decision or judgment may be trickier. Mercury in Libra can also be a bibliophile, so taking time to read or study during this transit could be enjoyable. Venus in Libra is particularly nice because this is one of Venus's home signs, so she's very comfortable here. This is a time to appreciate beauty or an artistic nature in a partner. You could also attract a partner by being creative yourself. It's a lovely period to create or collaborate with a partner where everything is naturally in flow. Like Mercury and Libra, Venus and Libra is diplomatic in relationships, dislikes confrontation, is willing to compromise, and reluctant to share information that might cause conflict. Venus and Libra can be a time when one partner sacrifices their needs for the other. Although, on the other hand, it could also reflect a period where fairness and justice in relationships are emphasized. It's also a time to cultivate good friendships and close bonds in general. It's good for redecorating or beautifying your home or office space. Socially, I associate it with like going to art museums, music festivals, shopping for beautiful or artistic things. Saturn stations direct on September 18th at 13 degrees of Capricorn. So you'll want to check out where Saturn and Capricorn are in your chart and what area of life will start to move forward in a more direct and focused way. If there was an obstruction of some kind, you may get some relief from it, and Saturn's productive significations may take less time to occur. So typically with slower-moving planets like Saturn, you'll only notice the retrograde during the time that it stations and around five days before or after. So from around September 13th to about September 23rd, You may observe Saturn-related things increasing in importance or showing up in your life. To some extent, this is personal and you'll want to look at where Saturn's placed in your chart and what houses Saturn rules. For example, Saturn's stationing on my descendant in my seventh house this time. Some of Saturn's natural significations that could arise during the direct station include hard work, maturity, consequences, the end of a cycle, aging, discipline, goal setting, or commitment. Saturn is associated with confinement, so depending on circumstances you may feel released as Saturn turns direct, able to move forward without as much restraint. The decan that Saturn stations in is the second decan of Capricorn, which Austin Coppock calls the Pyramid. Primarily this is a decan about restructuring your tangible world by way of an ambitious plan. It's all about building and rebuilding your world until it matches the way you envision it, even if that requires time and patience. And knowing Saturn, it definitely does. On September 21st Jupiter in Sag makes a superior square to Neptune in Pisces at 17 degrees. This is the third and last one of the series which has been occurring throughout 2019 so you may want to look back to the other times to see if you can make any connections about this cycle within your own chart. The first Jupiter-Neptune square occurred on January 13th at 14 degrees of Sag in Pisces. The second one happened on June 16th at 18 degrees, and this one takes place at 17 degrees. So if you do have any planet that makes an aspect to those points in your chart, it may help you figure out the story a little bit better. Jupiter and Neptune both instinctively crave big dreams that are seen as a part of a spiritual quest, particularly in the sign of Sagittarius. and Pisces. Even for those who are not spiritual, This aspect will have some kind of a visionary quality that looks towards the future. However, due to the square, which is the nature of Mars, there are a number of things you might experience which will introduce conflict. This might be two people's big dreams or goals coming to a head, where one's can't come true unless the other gives theirs up. This might be two opposing views of reality and a clash of belief systems. It could be easy to follow a false guru during this transit, someone who amps up your level of excitement and investment. Investing in or gambling too heavily on a pie in the sky dream could be another manifestation of Jupiter-Neptune, in which you overestimate the impact of your grand idea. Sometimes the conflict is internal, where you want to hope for something, but also don't want hope to lead you astray. Jupiter-Neptune is all about the ideal, but the planets and signs in this configuration leave no room for groundedness anywhere, And as exquisite as the ideal is if it doesn't come down to earth and manifest in a fulfilling way it can turn to regret pain and resentment the dreams of jupiter square neptune are like throwing a hail mary pass and somebody actually catches it and makes it to the end zone it happens but not to the majority of people it's rare and this rarity makes it all the more beguiling and compelling to chase the moon also happens to be in gemini that day and it will form a t-square with jupiter and Neptune. This doesn't exactly help with the groundedness. The best use of these significations would be to acknowledge your most idealistic dream rather than denying it and picture what that perfect for you world might look like. Then determine which of these things might be conceivable with hard work or strategic planning and if there are steps you can take to get there. You could create a roadmap on a day when earth energy rains in the skies and start taking at least one small step every day or every week for the world you yearn for in your mind's eye. If there are still steps to be taken, the dream isn't over yet. Jupiter square Neptune might demand everything happen sooner than it actually can, but if you're willing to wait and work for it, you might come further than imagined. Whereas someone who stays in the rose-colored glasses of Jupiter square Neptune might give up in a huff. All of this makes this transit sound much worse than it actually is. It's often experienced really positively, perhaps with a dash of bittersweet thrown in. You can feel very energized and may orient yourself in the direction of your objectives or daydream about what could be. There's nothing wrong with enjoying and indulging in that for a short period of time, but the long Saturnian road is usually one of the only ways to achieve the dreams in your life that feel like the Holy Grail. Now we're jumping forward to a series of Saturn and Pluto squares that occur at the end of September. So, Venus in Libra squares Saturn in Capricorn at 13 degrees on September 25th. Here's Libra. Venus in Libra to Saturn. Mercury squares Pluto at 20 degrees on September 26th. And Venus squares Pluto at 20 degrees on September 30th, or October 1st, depending on where you live. The good news is that Mercury and Venus have the upper hand in these squares, and in the case of Venus and Saturn, both planets are in their own homes or domiciles, so they are strong and relatively productive. While this week is likely to bring dynamic changes or challenges, the outcome may be necessary in some capacity. Venus-Saturn aspects can involve loneliness, even if you have a partner and family, because it's the kind of loneliness that occurs from not feeling understood or not feeling fully supported. During a Venus-Saturn square, you may feel responsible for other people's happiness, which can complicate your reevaluation of relationships in your life. You may also be putting up walls or defenses when it comes to interpersonal relationships, or someone else is doing this with you. The most productive way to use this Venus-Saturn square is to take some alone time for reflection and meditation rather than clashing with other people. Use the discipline of Saturn with the artistic bent of Venus to express yourself or work out your feelings through a creative project instead. Venus-Pluto squares can refer to a breakdown of stability in friendships or partnerships. Issues of power, control, jealousy, or manipulation could arise as a reaction to change. Power imbalances can lead to desperation, smothering, or arguments. On the other hand, Venus-Pluto squares can sometimes involve temptation or an intense connection that feels faded in some way. The mixture of significations between these two planets points to insatiability, desire that hijacks the rational brain and drives one towards someone or something with addictive intensity. Since Venus and Libra has the upper hand, some possibility for compromise and diplomacy still exists, though Pluto is likely to create a challenging tug of war. Lastly, on September 28th, which happens to be my birthday, there's a new moon at 5 degrees of Libra, accompanied by a Venus-Jupiter sextile at 17 degrees of Libra and Sagittarius. Venus is starting to approach her square with Pluto, it's within 3 degrees, but everything else in the chart appears to be more neutral or positive. Mercury, Venus, Sun, and Moon are all in the sign of Libra, in a sign-based sextile with Jupiter. And new moons are the seed-planting time, where you can start a new project or endeavor with intent but sometimes the seed is unknowingly planted by circumstances outside of yourself, and you only discover this weeks or months later. Like any other planet conjunct the sun, the moon goes through a purification ritual, except the Kazimi happens much more often, once a month. This is the union of the sun and moon, the two great luminaries. She is sitting with him on his throne. The Venus-Jupiter sextile is indicative of an advantageous, pleasurable opportunity that may play out over the course of this moon cycle. The decan associated with this new moon is the first decan of Libra, represented in the tarot by the Two of Swords. The Two of Swords card indicates the need to make a difficult decision, yet we may not have all the information. Some of it may be unclear to us, or perhaps illusion plays a part. The woman pictured in the Rider-Waite deck is wearing a blindfold, holding two crossed swords. You could feel caught in the middle between two different paths. Alternately, it may not be your choice to make, and you feel like you're waiting in limbo for a decision to be reached. The sign of Libra is known for its indecision, so this seems like the perfect placement for this deccan, which is also associated with balance, peace, and fighting injustice. It seems like the Venus-Jupiter sextile could represent one potential choice or opportunity. Weighing the pros and cons can bring anguish, worry, and anxiety. Most likely, the next step would be to gain more information about each option, as this decan indicates that a critical piece of information is missing, and with it you'll experience new clarity. Sometimes an individual keeps the blindfold on because they're afraid to make a choice and face the consequences of that choice, even if it's necessary to make any progress. Avoidance typically makes the matter worse in the long run. However, ultimately, this new moon in Libra is about facing your fears armed with fully measured considerations of both head and heart, as both are needed to make a wise decision. So that's about it for the September 2019 forecast. If you like the work I'm doing, please consider supporting me by using the donate button on my website or becoming a patron on Patreon. There will be links in the show notes. I recently launched new Patreon tiers there where you can get regular monthly or bi-monthly astrology readings by subscribing to the $30 tier. If you just want to ask ongoing questions about your chart or questions about various astrology techniques to a professional astrologer, feel free to subscribe to the $5 tier. And if your aim is to just throw a couple bucks my way, subscribe to the $2 tier and receive early access to any content I create. Another way to support my work is by booking an astrology consultation. I've got a variety of different kinds on my site. And at the moment, I'm offering student astrologer pricing for a limited time. So feel free to check it out on MidnightMoonAstrology.com. I also encourage anybody who has a spare five minutes to leave a review or some stars on the podcast apps. That really helps the show stand out. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel so you don't miss future episodes. You can also follow Midnight Moon Astrology on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you'd like to get in touch, feel free to email me at midnightmoonastrology at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.